Friends, today we continue our story with Luke, with Jesus, as he sets his face to Jerusalem. This story comes from Luke 18 and 19. Then he took the 12 aside and said to them, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man and the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and insulted and spat upon. And after they have flogged him, they will kill him, and after three days, he will rise again. But they understood nothing of all of these things. In fact, what he said was hidden from them. They did not grasp what was said. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening, and they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Then he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who were in front sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more loudly, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and asked that the man be brought near to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? The man said, Lord, I want to see again. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, the man regained his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, praised God. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man there was named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowds, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass by that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down from there, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All those who saw it began to grumble, saying, He has gone to go be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, for he too is a son of Abraham. The Son of Man has come to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. I don't know where you find yourself this morning. You might be full of faith. You might be carrying the weight of the weak or the weight of the world or, or some combination of the two. 
you might feel like you're barely hanging on. But here's the simple truth I want you to hear. Jesus seeks you out in relationship. The Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. I'm stunned in this story by the loving heart of God. This is a God who draws near, seeks us out, invites dialogue, wants to be with us, comes to our house, says, I seek you out in relationship. So contrary to the advice of every preaching professor, here's a one-point sermon, followed by a chronological aside. But, but first, the one point. God seeks you out in relationship. And I know what you might be thinking. I know what I would be thinking if I were listening to me preach. Anna, that sounds individualistic. Here at Pillar, we talk about the big story in which we find ourselves embedded. God's grand plan, grand narrative of bringing the world to healing reconciliation through Christ. But what I want to invite us to, what I want to offer, is that the same triune God of grace who is bringing the world and all of time to its healed conclusion in Jesus is the same God who hears the individual prayers of every child. The, the triune God of grace, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who created everything and, and holds it now in sovereignty, is, is the same God who knew the intimate details of my angsty middle school prayer journals and my prayer journals last week. <laughs> so here, Luke tells the story of God's beloved children, two particular beloved children that Jesus seeks after. God seeks you out to be in relationship. God seeks you out in relationship. First, did you notice with the blind beggar, what Jesus did after his cries and, and after the cries of the crowd telling him to be quiet, Jesus stood still. Jesus stood still and asked that the man be brought near. I wonder for you right now, if Jesus were to be standing still, drawing you near, what would you say? Jesus is inviting dialogue. He could have healed him on the spot, but he says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind beggar has this beautiful posture of prayer. Son of David, have mercy on me. I, I have to admit that shouting is not my go-to posture of prayer, but I wonder if sometimes it should be. And I wonder if it's not because I'm less aware of how lost I am. Jesus seeks you out in relationship. You in your lostness, you in whatever blindness you carry right now, you in whatever pain you're holding that you long for him to heal. What do you want me to do for you? I'm, I'm curious if, if Jesus was standing right here embodied asking you that question, what, what would your answer be? Here at Pillar, we 
have a program called Alpha, which is an invitation for anyone who's wondering about God, anyone on any stage of the journeys of faith, to come experience dialogue in a non-threatening environment where no question is off limits. And on the first night of Alpha, the, the main question we gather around is, what if there was more to life than this? And at the end of the small group discussions, the, the small, Alpha small group leaders are invited to ask the question, if it were true that God exists, what would you ask? And I'm always so encouraged and challenged by what people say. It reminds me of the posture of the blind beggar. No Christian niceties, no trying to position ourselves before God in a way that seems acceptable, just desperate crying out in direct conversation. And today I want to suggest that God is inviting you into the same dynamic of direct conversation with him. The blind beggar's posture of prayer, he's saying this, Jesus, I know you're the Messiah. I know you're the one God has sent to make everything right, to bring the world to healing. So would you move in power in my life right now? Would you move in power in my life right now? I wonder when you hear that question, what comes alive for you? What, what are you carrying in which God is inviting you to relationship in? For, for many in our community, our hearts broke at the news on Sunday of Dr. Hampton's death. And I know that we all hold the reality of tragedy in some way or another. And so in the midst of questions, in the midst of the why, Jesus seeks you out in relationship. What, what would it look like to take those questions to him directly? Or maybe your heart broke like mine did at the news of racially biased murders in Atlanta on Wednesday. And, and I want to suggest that in the midst of the pain and, and the confusion and whatever questions that brings it up in you, and, and for what that means for our world, Jesus seeks you out in relationship to hear your heart, to hear whatever pain you're carrying. Or, or maybe it's something I can't see and will never know about, but that you hold with you now. Jesus sees it, knows it, and seeks you out in relationship. We see this in the Zacchaeus story in, in sort of a different way. It's God coming to his house. Jesus pushes past the accusations of the crowd and says, Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. He, he pushes past the voices of you're a sinner and shows up anyway to have a conversation. Jesus seeks Zacchaeus out in his particularity. And, and I want to offer that God does the same for you today. Remember that 99 sheep, and then the 10 coins, and then the two sons, both of them prodigal in different ways. It's God's story of seeking us out, creation, the nation of Israel, Jesus, and now I can say with confidence by the Holy Spirit, you, today, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you.
What if Jesus is saying to you, I want to come to your house, and, and after I do, you won't remain unchanged. Look, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. Zacchaeus did not remain unchanged. I love the way that my professor and mentor, Dr. Billings, puts it in, in his book on union with Christ. He says this, Thus, while God is holy and transcendent, he is not at a convenient distance. God's gracious loving call is, in fact, a threat to our own autonomy and our deep and pervasive strategies to keep hold of our lives rather than losing them for the sake of Christ. Zacchaeus lost his life for the sake of Christ, and I believe Jesus is inviting you into relationship so that you might be called to do the same. Encountering Jesus elicits response. Being in relationship with Jesus changes us. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and I was asking him, what what does your relationship with God feel like right now? And he said, I feel like God's hired hand. And I think that's a, a valid thing to say in the midst of a life where it feels like he's doing a lot for God. But in the Zacchaeus story, we see a Jesus who comes to his house first, sits down at his kitchen table, and wants to have a conversation and, and I want to suggest that if you, if you feel like God's hired hand or if you feel like God is distant, God is inviting you to connection, to have a conversation, to talk in direct ways, and, and then maybe for your life to change in response to that. Here's another quote from Dr. Billings. When the gospel of union with Christ is attended to as both forgiveness of sins and renewal in a life of love of God and neighbor, renewed activity for a life of justice will be a byproduct of the Spirit's power. For in the covenantal, Trinitarian, and Christ-centered state of being in union with God, we discover how to commune with our brothers and sisters in Christ and our neighbors in need. Jesus seeks you out in relationship. The Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. And and your life won't look the same after that. So So now we come to the chronological aside. And I call it that because it's a wondering about the order of things. I don't know about you, but I myself am newer to this family of Christians that we call the Reformed Tradition. And I've been trying to put my finger on what is the heart of what it means to be reformed. And what I've discovered is, through participating in our life together here, the point of of the thing that reformed Christians value is God does stuff. God's act. Not that other Christians who aren't Reformed don't emphasize that, but it's a particular love and emphasis of the Reformed tradition. God does stuff. God's act. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. For God. I'm pretty sure Pastor John made five or six devos on just those two words this summer. For God. And, and so in my wonderings about 
the ordering of things, we have to remember in this story that God seeks us out first. Listen to what the blind beggar is told by Jesus. Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Does does our faith heal us? Faith that is a gift from God who sought us out first. And I want to offer that God's heart to save the world through Jesus Christ precedes any faithfulness that we can muster up. Before the blind beggar's cry for mercy from Jesus is Jesus predicting his death and resurrection to his followers. And before the blind beggar receives the gift of faith, Jesus was passing through his town in the first place. What does it mean to be reformed? God does stuff. We, we celebrate this in the sacrament of baptism when we declare, even when you knew nothing of it yet, Christ loved you and gave himself up for you. While this is a story of the blind man shouting, that's not necessarily the point. It's a, it's a story about a savior who draws him near. And it's not even a story about Zacchaeus' tree climbing, although that's all fine and good. It's not even a story about Zacchaeus' heart for the poor, although that's an obvious fruit of the transformation that comes from being with Jesus. Proceeding before Zacchaeus' generous heart change toward hospitality and justice-seeking in the world is a Jesus who came to town in the first place. That's why we say it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You're no longer just you when you're in Christ. Christ Christ came first. So shout out to Jesus from a place of belovedness. Cry in desperation for healing. Climb your tree. Follow after Jesus with the pursuit and hunger of someone who has no other options. And and respond in gratitude by enacting justice in whatever sphere of influence you have. All the while knowing that God sought you out first. God seeks you out in relationship. And here we get to taste it. As we come to the table, as you celebrate Christ's life given for you wherever you find yourself, Know that Jesus seeks you out in the bread and the cup. Jesus seeks you out in relationship, even here, even now, through this gift. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.